This is an ABC podcast. They breathe air but live underwater. And, like their land-dwelling counterparts, their bites are venomous. But there's still a lot we don't understand about sea snakes. Blanche Anastasi is here to remedy this. She's determined to shed light on these mysterious and misunderstood creatures and help them stop disappearing in the process. Plunge into sublime seas, dive deep and swim far. This is one of my favourite quotes from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it's certainly what I did with sea snakes. I started my PhD on sharks, but I realised that the genetic technology was just out of reach at the time to answer my question, which was, can you detect the effects of human impacts on the genetic diversity of sharks? And then one day in the tea room, someone said to me, what about sea snakes? They're disappearing. With very little knowledge of highly venomous snakes and no funding, I said, okay. And it turned out to be an amazing decision. As I plunge into the world of these air-breathing snakes that swim around in the ocean, I realised that they truly are magical, misunderstood and mysterious, as Joe Kahn says, and they're also disappearing. So why are sea snakes so magical, you ask? They have the most extraordinary adaptations to life in the sea. They give birth to live young who just swim up and take a breath when they're born. They have light sensors in their tail. And did you know that you can't even sneak up on a sea snake because they have little bumps on their face called scale sensile that detect water vibrations which makes being a sneaky little sea snake stalker pretty hard. You have to pretend you're not looking at them, give them the side eye and like sneak up and pounce on them. As I mentioned, sea snakes are also misunderstood. There are some whoppers out there about sea snakes. They are fixed front fang elapids with the fangs in the front and flipped up heads like a python. They certainly do not have small fangs in the back of their mouth. But the equation is simple. Leave them alone and they'll leave you alone. Well, except when you're in the water and they zoom up to your mask. People think that they're being curious or looking at their reflection when they do that. But what I think they're doing is checking out if we're a predator. And when they realize we're no threat, they just go back to their snaky business. Well, okay, except when they decide to investigate us. And one day I had a sea snake climb up on my back and flop around for a sun bask, which to be honest was one of the best days of my entire life. But I know that's not the same for everyone. So if a sea snake does ever decide to investigate you, I highly recommend that you take a breath, give yourself a little hug and enjoy the longest 10 seconds of your whole life while the sea snake checks you out. As I mentioned, sea snakes are also mysterious. This is because they're so poorly studied. We lack the data for 43% of species to be able to find out what their conservation status is. And this is concerning because they're disappearing around the world. In New Caledonia, in Thailand, and even in Australia, where we have some of the best marine management practices in the world. Indeed, they disappeared from the sea snake capital of the world at Ashmore Reef. It used to hold 17 species, but by 2012, they were just gone, and we thought we lost two species forever. 
I skip over to coastal Western Australia and gather Guru or Shark Bay, there was an unprecedented heat wave in 2010. It lasted 10 weeks at up to 3 degrees above average and it absolutely fried the place. We lost 40% of the dense seagrass from the largest seagrass meadow on earth and Rob Nowicki's team showed that the sea snakes crash by 76%. Australia is a really special place for sea snakes with half of the world's known species and Western Australia is especially important with nine of the world's 10 Apisurus species and these little brown sea snakes usually have very small ranges and are understudied. So I decided to focus on them. I wanted to know who lives where, how far they move to breed and what habitats are most important to them so that I could use this information to conserve them. So, what did I find out after nine months of being a neoprene clad lure in the field, months in the lab and years of data analysis? Well, the first really exciting discovery of my PhD came while I was throwing up on a trawler. Two little brown snakes came aboard the boat and it turned out that they were leaf-scaled sea snakes, which were one of the species we thought went extinct at Ashmore, except that they were 2,000 kilometres away from the place that we knew them from. And then not long after that, Ranger Grant Griffin sent me pictures of two little snakes trying to make babies, and they were the other species that we thought was extinct from Ashmore. So it was a really extraordinary day for me when I got to ring the government and tell other researchers that we get a second chance to conserve these species. From my habitat observations and other data, I discovered that sea snakes are really vulnerable to climate change because of their small ranges and because of the habitat they like. It turns out that they like habitat made of living things. So habitat forming organisms like coral, seagrass and stromatolites all of which are vulnerable to the effects of climate change. So we have a problem here because we have animals with small geographic ranges that live in habitat that's vulnerable to the widespread impacts of climate change. When I looked at the ability of these sea snakes to recover from declines by looking at their level of genetic connectivity, the patterns were stunning. I found out that shark-based sea snakes and olive sea snakes love their home just like we do and they may even spend their whole life in just one bay or on one coral patch. I also found out that every single little population of sea snakes has unique genetic biodiversity found nowhere else in the world. And very excitingly, I discovered that sea snake populations at each location are going through selective adaptation to the highly unique environmental conditions at that location. So together these findings have significant implications for how we proceed with the conservation of Apisurus sea snakes. First and foremost, we have to protect their individual patch due to the low connectivity. And if snake populations in a patch decline, we will see declines in that unique genetic biodiversity and they will struggle to recover because they don't have very many babies. 
And snakes just aren't coming from elsewhere to rescue those struggling or extinct populations. And whilst it might be tempting to consider captive breeding as a solution, my data has shown that these sea snakes are highly adapted to their local conditions. So sea snakes bred from elsewhere may not be fit to survive in a new location and restoration could easily fail. Protection is absolutely the solution. So the big question, how do we protect our local patch? I'm going to go a little bit big picture on you. We need you to vote for policies that limit negative impacts on sea snakes and their habitats. Policies that, for example, limit the amount of pesticides and pollution going into sea snakes' homes. Policies that limit the amount of pollution and pesticides going into the habitat of sea snakes. Policies that limit the effect of demersal bottom trawling and policies that seek to keep our oceans as wild and pristine as possible so that at least some places can be left that are pristine and free of development, extraction and mining. Because by minimising impacts on sea snakes and their habitat, we can maximise the amount of genetic biodiversity held in each population. And they need that biodiversity to adapt and respond to the really big threats that are coming for them, which are marine heat waves and cyclones that are more intense than we've ever known due to the intensifying effects of climate change. And it goes without saying that we need you to vote for policies that limit how much the earth warms due to human activity. And also, if you see sea snakes stranded on a beach after a cyclone, don't push them back into the water. Call a catcher or a carer and report your sighting on our Facebook group, Australian Sea Snakes, so that we can collect your valuable citizen science data. With your help, we can genuinely make a difference to sea snakes and our oceans. So I warmly invite you to plunge into the conservation of our sublime seas, to dive deep and swim far on this journey to conserve our oceans and to protect the unique, magical and mysterious wild creatures that live in them. Thank you. That was Blanche D'Anastasi from the Ames at JCU program at James Cook University and Australian Institute for Marine Science. She was speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at Dance North Townsville in December last year. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host. Join me again next week for another look at the world through the eyes of a scientist.